Well, good evening, everyone. And if you have a Bible, please do uh, open it at that passage that was read to us so beautifully from the start of Matthew chapter 2. Well, not the start, verse 13 onwards. I really enjoyed those Latin notices, and I particularly enjoyed the fact that we weren't very good at it. <laughs> Come on, St. Aldate's. When I was growing up, we had a, a, our family crest, the Ponsonby's. We had the family crest on my dad's study wall, and, and, uh, and there, the Latin motto for our family name, which is pro reggae, legge, grege. <laughs> Whoever thought that was a preacher, I reckon. And, um, and that means for the king, the law, and the sheep. I've always wondered what on earth that was about. Anyway, let's pray and we'll tuck in. Father, we ask that you'll speak to us this evening. We thank you for your presence with us, Lord. And we thank you that you accompany, accompany us every day. And all through this year. And we pray now, Lord, by your spirit, you'd speak to us. Amen. Well, it's a new year, and the prophets and the pundits are predicting what we may expect. I read one Mori poll that said we will have a new prime minister, we will have a new lockdown, and we will have a new James Bond. Don't know whether to be excited or disappointed by those predictions. Economic predictions from The Economist. Emerging markets will suffer various degrees of fiscal scarring. Some of you know what that means. Morgan Stanley predict price surges will subside and there'll be an estimated 4.7 growth for global GDP. How about that? More importantly, fashion predictions. This, you've heard it here first, unless you've read what I've read. Double denim is making a big comeback. I used to go double denim in the late 70s and early 80s, and I'm excited by that. Daisies, I've never done that. Bright bags, clogs, cat suits, bright colors, baggy jumpers, baggy shirts, sleeveless tops, and slip-on sandals. Get shopping now. I, I discovered this particular look in about 1978. It worked then, and every few years it comes back in. I'm not sure whether it is at the moment. According to Ipsos survey, 14% of people, they surveyed 22,000 people in 33 countries, and 14% of people said that aliens will invade the Earth in 2022. 38% think hackers will cause a global IT shutdown, and yet 77% of people think that 2022 will be better than 2021. And if you see that and do the maths, you realize that some people voted saying it's going to be really good when we have a global technological meltdown. Well, I'm not a prophet, and I'm not a prophet's son. But here is my prediction for 2022. I think that many of us will experience some sharp angles and we will be accompanied. We will dwell in the shadow of the angels. 
I think this coming year is about angles and angels. Just before Christmas, my best friend David White died of COVID, and he was in ICU uh, for two weeks and was able the whole time to converse and FaceTime with the family and send out amazing texts and offer up prayers. But in the end, the machine was keeping him breathing and he asked for them to turn it off and he faded into glory. And throughout that time, he had a nurse who looked after him and her name was Angel. Angles and angels. And that's what we see in this passage that we had read for us, a passage that is set for today. And so the first thing is that this coming year, don't be surprised if you face a few sharp angles. And by that I mean uncomfortable and unsettling difficulties and experiences. Joseph's head must have been spinning. Just a humble artisan carpenter from shabby Nazareth. And suddenly he is at the center of God's plan, God's economy, God's great saving event for the universe. And he's right there at the center of it. And the most remarkable, mind-boggling things have happened in the preceding days. His wife, who he's never had intimate relationship with, has given birth to a son who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. There is no precedent for this. I don't know how he handled that, except that God had come and spoken to him in a dream. And there, Joseph, this humble carpenter, is called to nurture and bring up, he is entrusted with the care of the eternal Son of God made flesh. And he's been doing a lot of entertaining. He's entertained shepherds who've knocked on the door because they've been sent by a choir of angels. And he's entertained these noble, mystical, wise men who've traveled from the east. And there's a very ancient document that suggests they've come all the way along the Silk Route from China. And he's there holding on to these most remarkable treasures of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And in the other hand, with God made flesh, having to change his picker lily nappies. I mean, this is extraordinary. And then things go from the extraordinary to the really difficult. And from the stable to the unstable, if you like. And we read in verse 13, at night an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. He goes from this kind of context of open heaven and suddenly he's on the run with this ominous threat. Everything suddenly changes. 
and darkness is breaking out against the light of the world. Just imagine how he and Mary must have felt at that moment. I mean, if just the remarkable events of having to give birth to the eternal Son of God wasn't enough, suddenly to be on the run? Every mother who gives birth to a child wants to go home and wants to create that nest and get things ready and bring up their child and have that comfort and safety and security and things that are familiar and everything in its right place. And suddenly, they're on the run. They are refugees. And they've got to leg it all the way down to Egypt, a foreign place, foreign food, foreign God, foreign culture. One minute, the center, it seems, the center of the ages, the center of God's economy, the center of salvation history. Next minute, what, what's gone wrong here then? God, though, hasn't abandoned the Holy Family. And God remains in control. God remains God, and to be God, you're in control. And this very flight to Egypt had long been prophesied. Hosea had seen it and said it 800 years before this event. Out of Egypt I called my son. And the holy family face upheaval. But God is accompanying them on the journey. And the angels that appeared to them there at, at, at the Annunciation to Mary... The angels that came and spoke to Joseph in a dream. The angels that surrounded them at the birth of Christ. The angels that will accompany them, accompany them. I'm getting that wrong tonight. All the way down to Egypt. Speak to them there and accompany them back. So they're in the eye of the storm. And yet they're at the center of God's will. And there are angles sharp and fierce and painful and troublesome and confusing. But there's also angels. And the fact is that few of us will go through this year without at some point in our life facing the point of the angle. Whether it's our finances or family or health or job or marriage or security or mind or whatever it is, there will be trouble. Let's be real. We're in fallen bodies in a fallen world. And being a believer is not an inoculation from the exigencies that face humanity. And on top of that, the spirit of Herod, the spirit of Antichrist, is always seeking to put out the light in us and to oppose the carrying and conveying of Christ through us. The author of the message, Eugene Peterson, says this, no literature is more realistic and honest in facing the harsh facts of life than the Bible. And at no time is there the faintest suggestion that the life of faith exempts us from difficulty. And you know it's true. 
Many Christians, though, can have the wrong expectations. They think that a, a life following Christ is a kind of sprinkling with a divine fairy dust. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh all the way. Well, they had that. What did they do with it? I expect they had to live off it and flog it in Egypt. Angles and angels. Sharp angles don't mean that you failed God. Neither do the angles mean that God has failed you. But God in his sovereignty and his economy permits it. It's a mystery. Not a lottery, but it is a mystery. And in all these things, God is working out his plans and ultimately working them to good for those who love him. So that's the first point. When he got to, as you know, I sense that this year, for many of us, we will face these sharp angles. And when we do, we need to remember, ah, that's what pro reggae legge grege was talking about. He was talking about this. Sharp angles. But these sharp angles, secondly, are under the shelter of the angels. And I love that in verse 13. An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. I've never had a dream like that. This morning I had a dream in which I was hitting a golf ball. And I don't play golf. So if any of, anyone has an interpretation, you tell me what that means. But an angel of the Lord came and spoke to him and warned him and directed him and was there for him. And then in verse 19, again, sometime later, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream. So this holy family faced these sharp angles, but they're all under the shelter and the shadow of the angels. The angels are watching, and they're guiding, and they're caring, and they're protecting. Our society has a fascination with angels. You come across them, written about in novels, and TV series, and movies, and art. There was a survey done uh, not that long ago in which a third of the population of Britain, or it was England, I think, said that they believed in angels. Interestingly, 40% of women do. They're always more spiritual. And 20% of chaps. And in America, two-thirds of people, when surveyed, said that they believed in angels. And what I found amusing and somewhat ironic was that despite the fact that only 20% of UK guys say they believe in angels, angels are one of the most popular tattoos for men to have. And in an article in August 2021, it said that angels continue to be among the most popular tattoos for men. It was in the Tattoo Arts Journal. It's amazing the things you read for sermons. Tattoo, what's that about? I think it's, I think it's a longing for the spiritual in a secular world. Some sort of connection to the divine. It's a pity they, they don't go straight to the Lord Jesus. But it shows an openness and an awareness and a point of contact, I think, for the gospel. Next time you want to share your faith with a bloke, say, have you got a tattoo of an angel? See what happens. He probably hasn't. Done. You know, there's much talk in some contexts about angels. 
And often people misunderstand, they got a strange conception, and, and their notion of angels is somewhere between My Little Pony and Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? It's all a bit weird, and we need to be more biblical. But the Bible is full of talk of angels, the messengers, and the ministers of God that are sent to serve the saints. I like what C.S. Lewis says. He says that often people have this false view of angels, and they think that they're there, they come to go there, there. This is Lewis's words, there, there. He says, but in Scripture, the visitation of an angel is always alarming. It has to begin. That's why they begin saying, he says, fear not. And invariably, when we see the activity of angels in Scripture, we see it in the context of trouble. The angels come in the context of anguish. What about Elijah in the wilderness, on the run from Jezebel, who's threatening to kill him? And there he is. He's just spent physically, emotionally, spiritually. He's had a breakdown. And an angel comes and touches him and gives him food for the journey. Well, then there's Elisha. And his servant is freaking out because they're surrounded by the uh, enemies of Israel. And Elisha prays that God would open the eyes of his servant, who, whose eyes are open, and then he can see that Though they may be surrounded by enemies, those enemies are surrounded by the angels of God. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire in Daniel? And there is an angel who comes and joins them. What about Daniel in the lion's den? He's there with the lions, and an angel comes and joins him. Jesus in the wilderness, it, the devil came and attacked him and tormented him and tested and tempted him. And it says, the devil left for an opportune time and the angels came and ministered to Jesus. Or there with our Lord Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, when he knows whether he's about to enter into the heart of darkness and take upon himself the sins of the world. And there he's in agony and he's sweating drops of blood and it says, an angel appeared in Luke's gospel, and an angel appeared to strengthen him. I've never heard a sermon on that, but I love an angel appeared to strengthen him. So the angels come when there are angles. One of the most beautiful theological books I ever read was actually about angels by a former member of our church. He did his PhD on angels. It was published called Jonathan Macy in the Shadow of Angels. It's an amazing book. It's the most readable doctor I've had a look at. And uh, in there, he just goes systematically through every reference to angels and shows how good God is. That God has not left us, but accompanies us. And in a remarkable way, often there are angels sent to minister to us. The fact that they come to minister to us According to Hebrews, that's what it says. They're, they're, they're ministering angels sent to help the saints. The fact that they're sent is, that, is proof that we need ministry. Do you see that? It's proof that actually we need the help. The only time I've ever been conscious of angels 
was after uh, my road, I had a, a, a cycle crash and I was very ill for a long time. I was all smashed up. And as I lay on the, the ground, I was sort of semi-conscious, but a woman came and sat down in the rain, and it was, it was soaking. That's one of the reasons I fell off the bike. So, and just sat there and put my head on her lap and stroked my hair. And she was going to be all right. And Tiffany was just around the corner, and someone rang her and said, your husband's on the floor in, in a bad way. And she ran round. And Tiffany came, and the woman said, Tiffany, you take over. And Tiffany sat down, and then this woman disappeared. Am I making it up? <laughs> My wife saw it as well as I did. And then when I got to hospital, and I was in casualty, and I just sensed there was an angel beside me. I actually reached out my hand. I mean, I'd had a bad crash and I was in trouble and it could have been all sorts of brain chemistry. But I, and I sensed this angel say to me, look, you're going to be in here a long time and you're in a bad way. But the Lord is with you. I'm going to bring you through. At which point I had a heart moment blacked out and all the, I, I wasn't aware of it, Tiff was there freaking out. And then I was in hospital 19 days, 10 hours of surgery, in wheelchairs, some of you remember that, months and months in a wheelchair, a year on crutches, a couple of years on a walking stick, all of that. Angles. And yet, at that moment, I have these two very vivid memories of a voice and a presence offering comfort. Was it an angel? I think so. One day I'll find out. But this, of course, begs many questions. Why couldn't the angel just have killed Herod? I mean, if I was God, I'd have sent an, an angel and killed Herod there and then. <laughs> Problem over. <laughs> Happy families. What, why... Why did the angel help the holy family and yet then all the innocents were to suffer? Why couldn't the angel have stopped me having that crash rather than being there after the fact, stroking my head? Why? I don't know. I've only once preached on angels seven years ago and afterwards a doctor, a me medical doctor came up to me and he was a Singaporean and he was working in a hospital in northern Nigeria and he said that year they'd been surrounded by radical Islamists who were threatening to burn the place down and kill them. And they all started praying. And then the Islamists pulled away. And then word went round the town that a wall of fire surrounded them. What was that about? He thought it was angels. But why did they get delivered and yet so many others? I don't know. I don't know. It begs the question and I don't have the answer I do know this, that God is good, and God is just, and God is working out all things for our good and his glory, and God will have the last word, and the Lamb wins. So this year, uh, there may be these angles. I hope I'm completely wrong. <laughs> Let's hope I'm wrong, but I sense angles. But along with the angles, the Lord is there with his angels. 
2nd of January 2022, New Year ahead. Billy Graham, that wonderful old preacher and evangelist of the 20th century, said this, Believers, look up, take courage. The angels are nearer than you think. Let's pray. So, Father, we bless you. We thank you that when we were still far off, you met us in your son and brought us home. And dying gave us life. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you're good. We thank you that you are for us. And Lord, as we go into this new year, Lord, all the uncertainty of what's ahead, we don't know. But we thank you that you will go with us. And Lord, that even when we find ourselves in difficult places, we thank you that you're there with us. And that when the angles come, so do the angels. We bless you, Lord God. Amen.